Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. see you out there. So good. So happy to be with you this morning. Hello. Hello. You know, Blake, were you guys here last week online or in person? Blake had an encounter with the Lord for 31 days. I was going to say 31 years. (laughs) That's a different kind of encounter he's been in. 31 days and then released it as a gift to us as Bethel Atlanta family, as a word for us from Jesus for the year. So if you did listen to that, if you haven't listened to that yet, let's just fill up all of our space in that word, okay? So good. Well, uh, you know, this morning, I just have a few things on my heart. A couple months ago, I got in a fight with my husband. Have you ever been in one of those? (laughs) And I, I could tell, I can tell the living God lives inside of me because what happened was I had like 45 things I wanted to yell at him in a demeaning way with special adult words. And I, I felt a spirit of self-control on my insides, which is fruit of years of walking with the Lord. Those are not, you know, it takes God a long time to do something suddenly. That, that's a lot in our spiritual transformation. And uh, so I lovingly disengaged, which did you guys hear that message he spoke? Probably a couple, maybe a month ago now, just profound. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that on just processing pain, listen to that. Sometimes when I say I, I, I had a fight with him, I, I feel the need to let you know how much I adore and love my, wife, uh, my husband. And so I just got to add a footnote real quick. Um, I, I respect no one on this planet more than him. And I know what he sounds like coming down to get his coffee in the morning. So I I know all the intimate details. And still, when you peek in my heart, there's no one I respect more than that man. So I'm deeply devoted to my husband until I die, okay? Which I plan to die first. That's the plan. Um, So all that to say we got in a fight. I lovingly disengaged and went for a drive and just kind of parked in the middle of nowhere and just started talking to the Lord. You know, when we become so emotionally activated on our insides, the thing out there is not the problem. <laughs> it's, it's the good news of the gospel that you are the problem. You are the problem. You are the one having the emotional experience and you could have experienced a myriad of emotional options. Somebody could have said something and instead of erupting in anger, you could have erupted in peace. 
you could have erupted in curiosity. There, all sorts of things could have happened on your inside. There's not only one option when it comes to internal emotional experiences, right? So I was just listening to the Lord and, and this, is, this is what he told me. I said, Jesus, what is the truth? And he said, none, zero of your internal reality is defined by your husband. None of your internal reality is defined by any person on the earth. None of your internal reality is defined by circumstances on the earth unless you choose it to be. And, you know, Jesus came to give us as an inheritance his internal reality. When you, when you cut open the person of Jesus, what did you find there? What do we find in the nature of Jesus? He, he doesn't just have attributes, he is peace. He is joy. He is wholeness. He is perfect power, perfect self-control. And the, the gift of the gospel is we inherited what we could never spend our entire lives working on to become. We inherited the capacity to share an inner life with the person of Jesus. And, you know, when he came to the earth, he was not modeling for us how to be God. Because just real helpful life facts is there will never be a seat that opens up in the Godhead for you. Like suddenly we'll get to this place in our spirituality and look, there's a fourth chair. <laughs> he was not inviting you to learn how to be God. He put on a body and he put on a soul to show you what it looks like to be a human in absolute oneness of spirit with the Father, in absolute oneness of spirit with the Holy Spirit. He did not diminish our humanity, he healed it. And you know, right now, and honestly, we are all in storms upon storms. So the earth is in absolute chaos. And what's happening is the earth is groaning. The earth is groaning for sons and daughters to arise. Because what sons and daughters do is they do what Jesus did. They mirror a father. They show us what a father sounds like. They show us what a father feels like. And Jesus came to show us what is it like to be a son that lives in a father? What is it like to be a daughter that has a home in perfect love?
So he actually came into the chaos of the earth to show, it, show us what it looks like to live in chaos and darkness and anguish with a home that is not on this earth. And you know, Jesus said, foxes have holes and the birds of the air has, have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And what was he telling us? He was saying, this is not my home. I don't build a house on the earth. I have a dwelling place that is stable. I have a dwelling place that is secure. And you know, the way that we navigate storms exposes where we live. Because when we are homeless in the natural and there's a thunderstorm coming, it's an entirely different experience than if you have a house. And, and you just put your slippers on, you light a fire, you make a cup of cocoa, and you listen to the rain. You listen to the thunder. And why there's no fear, because you're being shielded from the aggression in the storm. You're, you're being shielded from the damage in the storm. And, you know, Jesus showed us what it looked like to navigate storms, not the, the main event when the disciples found him sleeping in the bottom of the boat, wasn't that he was sleeping in the storm, it's that he was sleeping in the Father. He had a resting place that was secure no matter what was happening around him. And this is why, you know, when the, the disciples were just paddling, it was crazy out on the water, and Jesus is going for a walk. He's like walking in the storm. It could almost be so offensive. Like they, they thought clearly our best friend, the Messiah, isn't about to walk past us in this storm. And they thought he was a ghost. His, his experience on the earth was so counterculture to what everyone around him was experiencing because he had a different culture on the inside of him. And the mark of our truest spirituality is not on the exterior of our life. The mark of our spirituality is how much of the nature of Jesus am I living in oneness with on my insides? How much of my thoughts are in oneness with him? And I, so I've been on this journey consciously and unconsciously for decades, like all of us, right? This is the journey of being a follower of Jesus. And so this morning, I just wanted to talk together about how, how we more deeply develop this home. When we find out, oh my gosh, I'm dripping wet, I'm shivering, I'm cold, I feel lost and alone because of the chaos and the pain of what's happening in my life right now. How do I come home? 
And what, what I just felt uh, the Father wanting to say to all of us this morning is, baby, come home. Come home. Come rest in me. And this, this deep development of our home inside the Godhead in our innermost being is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So I just, I wanna look this morning at, at uh, Mark 8, if you wanna turn there. And it's helpful because in the Passion Translation, the, the um, subject title is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So that's helpful, it's gonna answer the question. So Mark 8, verse 34, Jesus summoned the crowd along with his disciples and had them gather around. And he said to them, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own. As you continually surrender to my ways. For if you let your life go for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, you will continually experience true life. But if you choose to keep your life for yourself, you will forfeit what you try to keep. For what use is it to gain all the wealth and power of this world? with everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life? And what could be more valuable to you than your own soul? So among the unfaithful and sinful people living today, if you are ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will also be ashamed of you when he makes his appearance with his holy messengers in the glorious splendor of his father. There is nothing mediocre about the gospel. <laughs> it's as wild as it sounds. <laughs> it's as intense as it sounds. And uh, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely disown your life and you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own. And you know, the, the ESV says you, you pick up your cross daily. And the greatest, most significant thing we will ever do with our faith is experience the cross of Jesus as our own. And you know, the, the Bible says, how blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. And your feet are the ones that bring good news because your feet are planted on the earth. Your feet are planted in your reality. Your feet cannot be planted in anybody else's story this morning. 
your feet are planted in your reality. And I was telling the students on Monday night, in 1 Corinthians 13, when it says, love rejoices in the truth, one of the meanings of that word truth is love rejoices in reality. And listen, your spirit man doesn't have feet on the ground. She's as happy as can be, seated in heavenly places in the full awareness of the finished work of Jesus. There's no sorrow, there's no deficits, there's no loss. There's absolute oneness in heaven. Your soul can be any number of places right now. You could be eating lunch. You could be thinking of some, some, something somebody said to you yesterday that's just really bothering you. You can be in your future right now thinking about something that hasn't happened yet. Your soul is not tied to reality. Your soul could, could live a whole life without ever living in the reality of your story. Your feet bring the good news because to, to become this gospel, not just to articulate it, preach it, or believe it, but to become the message of Jesus, your feet have to be on the ground, living in your true reality. And for so many years of my life, I felt a disconnect from the beauty of the good, the good news in the gospel to my reality of soul. And I knew I am not experiencing what I know is available. And I still have places in my life like that when I look at everything Jesus is that I know he won for me, there's a gap. And this gap is filled in by putting our feet in our own story and getting present with where God dwells. God is dwelling in you. God is dwelling in your reality. And for so long, I thought being spiritual looked like when something would come up and trigger me, I, I thought it looked like, well, that, that didn't really matter to me. That didn't really affect me. I'm okay. People have it way worse than me. And you can all, almost feel this sense of reprieve by thinking about the stories that are way worse than yours. And, and that's uh, like soothing, like this is what humility looks like. But for me, it's what denial looked like. It's what avoiding my reality looked like. And I, I've been deeply impacted by the work of Peter Scazzaro and how he teaches us it's impossible to be spiritually mature without being emotionally mature. Because the kingdom is inside your body. And all of our emotions are not happening in our circumstances. They're not happening in our relationships. They're happening inside your body. 
So our spiritual realities are not intended to shield us from our earthly realities. Our earthly realities, our true story, feeling it, owning it, being honest, the true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. My spirit man is connected to my reality. This is what Jesus modeled for us as the son of the living God. In John three, he said, I'm in heaven and I'm on the earth. He put his feet on the ground for you. And so, so what this looks like in my own personal life is developing a life of meditation in my true feelings, in my true experiences, that we, could, we can actually memorize promises in our mind and never have it become tangible, a knowing in our spirit man that soothes and nourishes our soul. And if we want to be a follower of Jesus, this is what Jesus said, we have to experience the cross as our own. That means I can't know it first for you. And you know, my job for my entire adult life, my gift mix, who I am on the earth is a story keeper. I hear stories for a living. And I manifest the body of Christ by being listening ears. And what I didn't realize was, oh my gosh, I, I started to diminish my own story because I was constantly exposed to stories that were worse than mine. And there is a groaning earth right now that I look all around and about and, and we could feel spiritual by diminishing our own story because of all the anguish on the earth. But you cannot experience the sufficiency of Jesus on the cross for someone else. The first most significant person that we nourish with the truth of the gospel is your own soul. Because in John 15, Jesus said, continually be nourished by my love because I am continually nourished by the love of the Father. What was he teaching us? What nourishes you will nourish the world. And so I had to put my feet on the ground and be honest, that did affect me. I am deeply grieved, that deeply impacted me. And I had to daily begin to pick up my cross. I had to daily begin to extend my faith in believing this gospel is for me. What Jesus did on the cross was for me. And in your story, the events, however big they feel or however 
little they feel are not the most significant part of what needs healing in your story. What needs the cross of Jesus in your story is the meaning you made about your worth because of those events. The meaning you made about who God is because of those events. And the cross is the only place you can bring your ashes and come out with beauty. You can bring your losses and come out with fullness. And so when we meditate on the gospel, we bring it in as close as our own soul. And we feel whatever we're feeling, whatever's triggering fear or anxiety. You know, we all, we all have these false beliefs that when you look at your story, you can see, oh, this consistently impacts me. And the situations out here are different, but I keep interpreting them through the same lens of rejection or the same lens of worthlessness or the same lens of, I'm not safe. There's not enough for me to be provided for. And what the world does is we take those places of poverty, we take those places of powerlessness, and we fight to redeem it on the earth. And this is what Jesus is saying. Uh, what use is it to gain all the wealth and power of this world with everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life? And, and the world is spinning around us, striving for wealth and power because we were born into a broken, fallen world that exposes our poverty, that exposes our powerlessness. And Jesus is saying, if you want to be a follower of me, you're gonna have to surrender the drive to be your own redeemer, to use your gifts to redeem your worth, to get enough money so you can finally ease the anguish of poverty, to have enough relationships to soothe those feelings of I'm so unwanted and alone in the world. And anything on the earth that we are using to validate our significance is being driven by a spirit of poverty. Because everything on the earth comes in measure. You can have all the affection of the whole world and it still would not fill up the bottom of your soul. And, and we see it in our society where people on the exterior, we feel like we point to them and you have everything. How could you have one depressed day in your life? And if you've ever been depressed, you know there's no amount of money that could appease what's going on in the soul. 
If you've ever been anxious, you know nothing on the exterior of your life can fix that. And so what Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, you're gonna have to bring your poverty to the cross. Because this is what he said on the mountain. Blessed, happy are those who realize they're poor because theirs is the kingdom. And when we let go of our striving, our performing, our angst to soothe the anguish of being poor in spirit, and we choose, I have decided I'm gonna follow Jesus. And this is the thing, is that Jesus said the road is so narrow and few find it, because it's the road to the cross. And this is, this is how Paul said it. It's all the things he used to define his worth in Philippians chapter three. I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. I was on the top of the top. I had everything that the spiritual world, the religious world doted over. I was the highest of the highest. What did he say? I count it all as rubbish. It's a pile of trash heap compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord, as my Redeemer. This is what he said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul found a way to make it personal. It is no longer I who live, but it is Jesus living and breathing in me. The life of faith I live is because of his love for me. So when I started to realize I was diminishing my own reality by avoiding it with my spirituality, by avoiding it with what I could control, I, I had to start to own, oh, this, this deeply hurt me. It could be a little thing that happened today it, it could be a very traumatic thing that happened 20 years ago that keeps living in me. And, and, and I began to meditate on what the cross means for me. And I would get so weary. I would feel so heavy feeling the weight of the poverty that was living in my worth. And there would be echoes of the meaning I've made that would get stirred up in me. I feel like I'm on the outside of love. Just looking in, I don't know how to get in there. I feel like a nobody. And Jesus, he would say, come to me, come to me, come to me. And I would see him call me over to a tree. And I would begin to use my imagination to get the truth of the cross into my reality. 
and I would look at his feet and they were pierced through with nails. And everything that made me feel like a nobody, because that's not just up in your head, that's in your soul. Those are experiences that are valid and real, that he came to carry the weight of. He was not carrying his own grief, he was carrying yours. And I, I would just imagine the people he loved walking by and spitting on him. And spit was just running down his naked body. And you know, Isaiah said, he became a nobody. Nobody even wanted to look at him. He was nothing to behold. And he chose to become one with everything that made you feel worthless, insignificant, anguish. And he would invite me, come up here for a while. This is the place we find true rest. And I would use my imagination and I would just picture my weary head and I would just nuzzle it up into his neck. And I would just imagine this king suffering for me. And what murdered you? What destroyed your sense of identity? Destroyed him. And I, I would just meditate over and over the places in us that feel invisible are not soothed by feeling seen and known in our gifts, in our talents, in our callings. The places in us that feel invisible are soothed on the cross because the cross is the deepest expression of love humanity has ever known. And you know, Hebrews says, he despised the shame of the cross. It means, you know, when we, we deal with shame, we funnel through our mind okay, well, how will this action impact this? How will this go? And we allow shame to disciple our behavior. And what Hebrews is saying is Jesus despised it. He did not consider the impacts of shame on his choices. He hung as a naked nobody without any consideration of how that would be perceived for his worth. And in, in your daily life, all the angst, all the pain, all the losses you're navigating, 
find a place to rest on the person of Jesus, on the body of Christ. And I, um, all, the, all the, the striving to redeem our worth, to get out of those feelings of powerlessness, they all find a place to rest on the cross. And when we meditate, we rehearse it over and over, not just in our mind, but in the deep of our soul. We allow our feelings, what we're truly feeling, to meditate on the truth of what Jesus has done. And you know, this is what he was saying, what, what could be more valuable on the earth than your own soul? And you know, true wealth is found in heaven. True wealth is Jesus. This, this is why Jesus was saying, don't store up what the earth considers to make you wealthy because that's where moth and rust come in and destroy and take. Let eternity be your standard of wealth. Let eternity, let Jesus be your standard of what makes me wealthy. And you know, when you feel the enemy swirling all around you, and the psalmist says, he sets a table for me in the presence of my enemy. The gospel is the table is the body of Jesus. He is the bread of life. He was broken for us. At, at the table, this is what nourishes us, no matter what the war around us is. The body of Christ. And what, what we feed ourselves on teaches us what to crave. So your appetite is being shaped by what, you, by what you feed yourself on when you feel anxious. So when we feel anxious and we are feeding ourselves with that anxiety, we are feeding ourselves by fueling more and more anxiety, we will crave more and more anxiety. We will crave, our bodies actually even will crave stress. that when, when we allow ourselves to feel our anxiety, to feel our anguish, and we feed ourselves with the body of Jesus, we begin to crave his presence. We begin to feel anxious, and our first thought is, I'm craving the presence of Jesus. We begin to feel fearful, and I think I'm hungry for the nearness of his blood. I'm hungry for the nearness 
of what he did for me to become one with his suffering. So we are 100% a participant in teaching our soul what truly nourishes us. And then I, I sometimes just meditate on that moment in the tomb. And I'll just imagine the truth of the gospel that I am, I am with him. And I just imagine waking up to the, to the feeling of the heart of Jesus beating inside of his chest and his broken body resurrected into newness of life. And that as I am one in his suffering, I am one in his resurrection. And you know, when Mary went to the tomb, she actually went inside. And the Bible says that she was so filled to overflowing that she stumbled out of there because she was intoxicated by what was going on. <laughs> and I just imagine, I'm gonna sit here on this rock with Jesus until I am so full with the reality of what has been done for me that I stumble outside. And you know, there's this little verse in the story that says, you know, the cloth was just laid there, but, but the cloth that was over his face, you remember this, was folded nice and neat. And it's always just been like a mystery to me. And, and theologians have all sorts of reasonings that are beautiful. But I just sometimes just imagine myself sitting there watching Jesus take the time to fold this little piece of cloth. And I just, I study him. And have you ever tried to fold something fast? That's not a thing. <laughs> Folding takes a minute. And he's, he just defeated every devil that would ever in the whole of your life have the agenda to torment you to steal from you, to kill from you, to twist up and pervert the truth of God's heart for you. He actually went and annihilated and finished everything that murdered you. And here he is taking a moment, doing a little laundry. Whoa, I got to linger here because I want to be as at rest you are. There's a whole lot of work to do out there and you're taking time to fold the cloth that was covering your head. And I imagine the absolute peace over his face and I imagine him, hey baby, Nothing about the resurrected life is a busy life. There's no rush in the kingdom.
Nobody's behind time here. Nobody's being bullied by regret here. Nobody's being pushed around by insignificance here. Nobody has anything to prove, babe. It's done. You want a cup of coffee? We got time. The resurrected life is the life where we have a home. And it's not of this world. It's in perfect love. And we know we're living out of our resurrected spirit man when our poverty has a place to go, when our anguish has a place to go. And you know your spirit man is leading your soul and your body when you're responding to your own deficits, to your own anguish and pain with the same kindness that's in the tone of Jesus, with the same grace and truth that's in the presence of Jesus. So let's just go ahead and all stand up. There's so much on the exterior of our lives that we truly are powerless over. But the kingdom and Jesus do not live out there. The kingdom lives within you. And right now, 100% provision has been made for the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to be the reality in your inner life. That when the world hears the sound of your feet coming, they hear the sound of good news. There's a father and he's enough. And when we start to truly allow the cross to be the center of our own significance, the center of our own worth, a groaning earth begins to hear the sound of reprieve. There's a father who cares. There's a father who sees. And when we have tasted and seen in our own story, in our lowest places of anguish, and, and in our little paper cuts, that he is good. There is a confidence that will begin to well up in the deep of us. And he's enough for that. And he's enough for that. And he's enough for that. He's enough for that. When he becomes enough for me, I know that I know that I know that he's enough for you. So let's just close by, by singing this song. I have these, who knows how I've decided to follow Jesus because I was about to get it real wrong. Okay, can you sing it out for us? Oh no, okay. <laughs> Do you guys know I have decided to follow Jesus? Let's just sing it a cappella. I did to follow Jesus.
so good. Listen, we're the people of the narrow way. We're the people of the narrow way. It says Jesus set his face like flint and headed for Jerusalem. That's what you look like. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.